0: cliffcentral.com
1: Good morning and welcome to Disrupt with Mpumi Ntlaupo. Uh, very excited to be back with you today. Um, my guest today is Gert Skumbi, the MD of T-System South Africa. Good morning, Gert. Good morning,
0: Pumi, and thanks for having me.
1: Thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us after a long weekend. It's uh, bright and early, straight onto the radio. How are you feeling? Yeah, I had, a,
0: I had an excellent break. I had the privilege to go fishing in Angola. Um, wow! For the past couple of days, which is a real, real great adventure. Um, so yeah, it is really different uh, this morning to start like
1: this, but I'm really refreshed. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Um, Khart, uh, you know, on the show we talk about disruption, um, and we we really try to frame it beyond technology. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation today because, I mean, part of your life you spent um, in a farming family. You grew up on a farm. Can you maybe just give us some back, background to yourself, um, where you grew up. I know you're from Pretoria. Um you've studied at UCT and done your MBA, so really done a lot of stuff in your career. Um growing up in Pretoria, how was that? Yeah, I've um I've uh grown up
0: actually on the farm two hours away from Pretoria. Okay. So I'm a real farmer boy in a very Afrikaans conservative conservative community. And um from early age, I, I worked on the farm, and uh, I learned a lot through working, through taking responsibility. Also, from my dad at that stage, who had a big part of my life, and and really preparing me, you know, in terms of what I did later on, and even today, in terms of taking something and improving it. Um, on the farm, it was always about, you know, how can you get more out of what you have. In terms of better practices, understanding how systems work, and that's how I got into studying industrial engineering in um, at, at Pretoria University. Okay. And from there onwards, I was privileged to go and work at PwC at the advisory services. Straight afterwards, for for two years, um, doing management consulting using my industrial engineering background. And then I, I had a real excellent year. At UCT in 1993, doing my MBA, which was, uh, which was a powerful year in terms of learning lots of things of life. Um, it was a big sacrifice. I was married, um, at that uh, point in time. So Stella and myself went down to Cape Town and, uh, it was a very full year in terms of learning academically. Um, but we decided beforehand we want to make the most out of one year. And that's where I learned how much you can do in one year. Yeah. So academically, I did extremely well. Socially, we were the only Afrikaans people in the, in the full time MBA class. So that was a, um, yeah, you were saying it was,
1: you're saying it was very interesting <laughs> being, you know, going to Cape Town from Pretoria and being in 93, the only, which seems a bit strange, right? Yeah. I would have expected in Cape Town that there would have been more. Yeah, and African.
0: there were a lot of foreign students there as well. Okay. So and 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 it was you know a year before the general e- election. So so that was that was really a a great year for for us. And also we we learned a lot about you know Cape Town and the environments around it. Okay. So it was a full year from from there on. But during that year, I also did my my um, thesis or scription. At At that stage, around um, borrowing money internationally and what will happen if the exchange rate fall and if you then do some long term investments on it and I had the discussions with my with my father at that stage mm-hmm. on the, um, at on the farm we were doing all kinds of vegetables and one year crops and and I said to him, "You know we need to get into an export export game and Using his experience in agriculture and my newly found knowledge international. around, around yeah. the, uh, international finance and that, um, I got so interested around the topic that after my MBA, I went to the farm um, and we looked at different al- export alternatives. and okay. And that's how we then started in 94 with table grapes, exporting table grapes and citrus. Um,
1: and the farm is called, um, Skumbi? It's, it's called Skumbi Landhout. yes. Landhood, okay. Yeah. So you, you came out of the thesis, went back to the farm. Yeah. Okay. So obviously coming out of very nice <laughs> corporate offices, I yeah. mean, you very corporate type of lecture theatres at UCT and then onto the farm. What is that transition like? Yeah, it was, it was, it was quite, quite heavy
0: at, at that stage. Um, like I said, the farm was in a transition, uh, uh, process. So the first table grapes and citrus and that, you know, we had to do the feasibility and then really work in the land. So I worked in the land for, for that period. Um, so I was there full time for, for about two and a half years. Okay. And then, um, then I decided to join IBM, you know, from there, which was probably another, um, big jump for, for, for me and my wife. And, and why that decision? At that stage on the, on the farm, there was a lot of, lot of family, um, family politics and that. And it, it impacted my life, my private life to the extent that I felt it would be better to have some distance between me and the family. So even though I moved away, I never, I never disconnected from, from the farm. So, so I remained very much involved, you know, until today, I'm very involved there as well. Um, but it helped, you know, to help to join IBM. I continued really on the on the more the management advisory. But being at IBM, um, it got colored with IT and really the strategic application yes. of, of information in your business. So slowly I moved into the IT strategy world, the IT governance world. But, um, but
1: up until that point, I, IT was not an area that you were specifically thinking you're going to get into. Yeah. So it just happened that you were employed at IBM at the time.
0: Exactly. Um, At IBM, uh, IBM had a consulting group called IBM Consulting Group who did primarily um, strategic consulting. And as I said, you know, I then moved with a group more into the IT, IT strategy, IT governance consulting. We assisted large organizations also to prepare for outsourcing. That's how I got into the – more the outsourcing world, uh, but I never got into the details of technology. Okay. You know, it was always around how do you utilize information, how do you utilize the people who's running the information for the strategic benefit of your organization. That's been my 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 history, and even today I'm not a technology freak. You know, I, I believe there's a lot of other people who know a lot more about the actual technologies. Um, so for me, it's more around the strategic application of, of information.
1: Ah, and, um, talking from a technology point of view, then, um, I know then you went on to found your own business, um, at the, you know, at the boom Mm. of the internet at the time. Uh, what drove you into wanting to now move into your own business? I mean, it would have probably made sense to go possibly into agriculture again or look for something there, but you went into an internet business.
0: Yeah. It was in, in 1998, 1999. You know, just at the, at the, really at the height of, of the internet boom. So a couple of us at IBM decided to, to move out of IBM and start our own business. Okay. And it was a really a great experience, you know, and that's where I also learned that how important it is to pick, uh, like-minded people when you want to go into a venture like this. You know, it's all the value, a common value system is more important than the actual strategy. So we had really great fun. Um, in doing that, it was again around the same theme of even what I'm doing today. It was around the strategic application of, of how you utilize the internet at that stage. So we had some uh, consultants doing it. Okay. I was, I was leading the business development and, and the sales side. And then we had some, uh, developers, actual developers who did, uh, internet presence for, for companies at that stage. After about three years, we uh we were contracted by t systems um to help them with one of their big customers okay. to redesign their, their complete internet presence and we were busy with that for about a year and then we as shareholders decided it you know it makes sense for us to be part of a of a bigger bigger organization we can have a bigger impact and more significance um so we started to engage with them and that's how they acquired us.
1: Ah, interesting. I mean, um, coming from like once again, I want to go back to the farming environment and then quickly now moving into a very corporate environment. Was that something that you'd already envisaged for yourself or growing up? Was it always kind of like you'd be still in the more family business? I, um, one of the lessons that I learned while I was in the
0: farm. Is that it's very important to have your own dream and your own vision. My dad was a very strong character, and he had a, he had a specific vision, you know, of his children joining him on the farm. Okay, I would, yeah, and it should uh, make sense. Yeah, and 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 I realized at that stage, you know, that I respect and admire his vision, but that it's very important to be authentic to have your own vision. And if there's an overlap, then it's great. Um If there's not an overlap then it's then it's fine. Every one of us must have our own must have our own vision, our own purpose. I'm a very spiritual person. I believe in in standing up in your own identity and, and living your own purpose. So um for me my faith gives me a lot of confidence so that everything that I that I approach in life, you know, I feel I I um I approach it well anchored and therefore i I approach it with confidence and then i drive it through you know some some of it's easy some of it's not that easy but that's really that's really the the way that i approach it so i did not have any specific view around around family business or farming or it or anything even today that's not that's not my primary focus my primary focus is to is to make a difference and to use my talents that i that i got from you know from God to to really make a, a, a significant difference to to other people that um, that comes in you know th- that cross my ways hmm. and some you know some of it may be in agriculture some of it maybe may in IT but uh, for me that's that's just uh, it's just the uh, the scene in which in which the play is is playing
1: itself out absolutely and then now T Systems South Africa you fulfill the role of MD. And you've been doing that for quite some time now. You've been in T-Systems for 17 years. Um, can you maybe tell us a little bit about what does T-Systems actually do and who is T-Systems in South Africa? I know for a lot of us, you know, when we think T-Systems, you might think T-Mobile or Bayern Munich. <laughs> um But I, I know that in South Africa, it's got quite a specific role that it plays within the ICT sector. Yeah, yeah so my journey, as I said earlier, started with T-Systems when they acquired
0: Evolution at that stage. We had a, a period that we had to work back um as, as part of the acquisition process in, in T-Systems. And I was really privileged in T-Systems. Every two years, my role changed, which kept it fresh Um for me. It was also always some strategic kind of role in terms of business development or solution crafting. Uh, at some stage, I was also running one of the, the production units, a systems integration unit. Okay. And, um, and then I went into sales you know, and sales is quite a challenging environment in, a, in an organization like that. Yeah. So T-Systems, um, 70% of it's owned by Deutsche Telekom in, in Germany. And then in South Africa, we've got 20% that's owned by, by black staff and 10% by uh, educational trust, um, that we, that we utilize to, to fund a number of the, skills development and education initiatives that, that we have. The T-Systems brand and, and what it's me- meant for me and, and also in South Africa, you know, I link it back to, to the overall purpose. I believe, um, it's a big privilege to build a bridge between a country like Germany and a country like South Africa and utilize the best of innovation and and practices that they have in Germany and bring it to South Africa and localize it to make a difference in South Africa. Absolutely. And that's, that's what we've been doing, you know, f- for the past 20 years. So uh, this is actually our 20th anniversary in the country. Okay. It's quite amazing to think that I've been <laughs> part of it for 17 years, but that's, that's really for me. Uh, the way that I see it and the way that I approach it every day. So it's a privilege, but it's also a big responsibility. Um, if I just think uh, around the Arivia acquisition that we concluded in at the end of 2009.
1: And so Arivia was the state-owned ICT company. Yes, Arivia.com
0: okay. was a state-owned ICT company owned by Eskimo and Transnet um, at that stage and as part of a strategic decision of disinvesting out of non-core assets it then became uh, um, available on on the open market with the open tender process um, I was involved in it I drove it for 3 years it took quite a long time to conclude because it was complex and so big but it, but for me it was a very good example of how you can utilize the the scale of a big company like Deutsche Telekom mm. to come and make a difference also, in South Africa, so it was it took a long time. it was complex because it was an acquisition plus two new outsourcing deal deals, one with Eskimo and one and one with transnet and all three of those deals had to be concluded at the same time
1: and wh- when was that
0: it It concluded at the end of two thousand and nine two thousand and nine okay yeah so since then it 's been a quite a Intense journey at at both those organizations and also with Arivia, we fully integrated Arivia into into T systems, and um, and we started a uh, a process of refreshing really the IT environments of both Eskom and Transnet. In the early days, it wasn't easy. Uh, we did a lot of IT transformation projects at both organizations. We paid a lot of penalties uh, because we could not deliver according to the quality standards that
1: we contracted to in the early days. Can you explain that? Because I mean, I've 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 heard you mention that before, but maybe it's not something that other people can easily understand. You know, so so when you when you in the
0: traditional outsourcing world, you know, why would a company outsource? They would outsource when they sell assets if they need some capital. Mm -hmm to cut cost um, because you assume that the company that you're outsourcing to can do things better than you can so with 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 uh, applying less resources and, lower and therefore uh, lower cost and and also the third element is to improve service quality and um, and therefore, when you take over an environment like and transit was really first generation outsourcing contracts. Then you take over a current mode in terms of people, in terms of processes, in terms of technology, and you work towards a future mode um, where where you've refreshed the environment you know again applying different technologies or different practices etc okay. and you've got service levels that go from the current mode to the future mode now. You've got a certain period of time to transform normally between six and 18 months uh, to transform,
1: which means to move from what is now that is maybe sub optimal. Yes. Into an optimized phase that you promised yes. when you, when you bid for the business. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. Now, if you can't get to that optimized phase, then you still deliver service quality based on the current, current mode. And that's when you start paying penalties uh, with a good contract. So we what paid top, significant.
1: I mean, without necessarily giving away confidential. But what types of? Are we talking hundreds of rands? Tens no, of no, thousands? no. We're
0: talking millions of rands per annum. Sure. Um, but there's again there's formulas in which you can can work it back, etc. But at that stage, we were just we were just bleeding. Yeah. And it's actually. And, were, and
1: what role were you playing in the business at the time? <laughs> I um.
0: Initially I drove the whole Arivia deal okay. um, it, was quite a, it was quite a big deal So we had a very dedicated team That, that drove, drove the deal For three years Then I was the integration uh, Person that, that integrated Arivia um, And the delivery Organizations of Arivia With T-Systems with, with um, And When I took I was head of sales And when I took over as, as MD We actually got um, within two weeks of taking over as MD, we got 45 letters of breach on uh, from one of the one of these customers, yeah. uh, breach of contract because we were not delivering the right quality. So I was MD at the time, uh, and I'm very proud again of of how we worked uh, in collaboration. You know, the international organization, the local organization of t systems and then also the the IT organizations of of Eskom and Transnet you know really really got together and we lifted our game and uh and still today I'm very proud of you know of the quality of of the service that that we deliver you can always do better and I'm not talking about you know specific incidents but I mean overall we are 99.9% within the SLAs the service levels you know that we committed to and that we contracted to
1: hmm. And, but I know you've got 160 odd other customers. Um, you know, I know T-Stims is famous for those two very significant contracts. H- how's it been building a business now, you know, coming into the country as a multinational and then building a business that is, you know, multifaceted, multi-industry? What's that journey been like? Yes, it's very important for us. I mean, a, a big part of our business is
0: scale driven. And you, know, you can compare it again with agriculture today. You know, if you don't have certain scale, then you don't have access to specific markets you don't have specific global procurement um, leverage that you have over you know with some technology providers and um, it's very important for us at T systems that we are that we are not dependent only on a select number of customers for our revenue it's strategically not not right from a portfolio perspective and and therefore we've got a big drive to also extend our our reach into the private sector. Mm. So, as you said, we've got you know a number of other customers. We are primarily focused on on medium and large enterprises. We are quite good to take over a complete IT estate and then optimize it uh, and drive synergies and and cost savings out of it. The the development and the emergence of Industry 4.0 and digital transformation has given it a slightly different flavour. Yes. Um, but for me, again, it's just, um, it's just a new phase that we're going into that we need to adapt to. And we, it's now a lot more business focused and, and business relevance is, is a lot more, um, important when we engage with our customers. Um, but in essence, it, it's, it's the same for us to say on the one side, you need to optimize your commodity type infrastructure business. And then in parallel, you need to add value around helping them with their business processes and and um, utilizing technology some of it your own some of it partners i mean we're a very partner focused organization um, utilizing the technologies of of your partner okay. and then providing a seamless service uh, you know to the to the business customers of of our
1: customers it's it's interesting because I would say many companies today say they're doing IT or ICT or telecommunications. And you're saying once again that it's just a different flavor. Is it really just a different flavor in terms of this industry 4.0 or are we seeing more seismic, more fundamental shifts in this space? There, there's,
0: there's obviously a lot more shifts. Um, but again, just in my, in my time in the industry, the past 20 years in the beginning, we did IT strategies. You know, when I was at at IBM, yeah, uh, we did IT strategies for 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 companies, and the way we did it is, you first did a business strategy, and from the business strategy, you did an IT strategy, and you ensure that that it was aligned. So that was that was a big a big part of the strategic consulting that you did at that stage from a from a business perspective. There was a strategic alignment model which said that your IT governance and business governance. Must link the two together to ensure continuous alignment. That then went, you know, into into uh, a new world now where we do digital strategies. Okay. Now it's different, but one must be careful to make it too complex and to create a lot of fear around it. For me, the the whole digital world and Industry 4.0 is really utilizing mostly current technologies but it slowly goes up into your business processes and it's not limited anymore to your um to your IT environment and your IT processes and stuff like cloud gives you the ability to scale it very quickly okay and also takes away a lot of the uh problems that you may have had in terms of the rollout etc so speed is becoming a um it's not becoming a constraint as it was many years ago, um, and then there's other dynamics around it, like like the uh, the difference between Industry 4.0 and the and the previous industrial revolution is that it seems that technology is not creating more jobs, um, and that's quite a fundamental difference between the previous uh, previous one and Industry 4.0.
1: Yes, especially in a South African African context.
0: Yes, it's um you know it it links for me it brings it back for me to the to the purpose you know from a purpose perspective i am i've got the privilege to work for a multinational but i'm a very much born and bred um south african and um, and africa is my passion and therefore i believe we must be careful to embrace industry 4.0 and the benefits of that without looking at the realities of what it does. I mean,
1: before we move then into into that, I want to just make sure that we understand what we mean by industry 4.0. Just a quick synopsis of, of, of what it is and what it implies. Industry
0: 4.0 is really taking the, the use of technology one step further. And automation is becoming a big part of that. Yeah. So, um, as I said earlier, for me, it's really it's really um, combining a number of technologies. Some of it may be new, most of it is is not new, and taking the, the innovation of technology that happened over the past thirty years and combining that um, and utilizing it within your business. Now, the combination of that brings the exponential the exponential impact of digitization into the, into the world today. And that makes it very unpredictable. And the the unpredictability also creates fear. I mean, any organization that's doing a strategy today, they don't really know what the future may hold because they can't take the history and project it to the future. Okay. Um, you know, most strategy work is done by that. You, you accept the current paradigm of the world that you live in will continue in the future and based on that you make certain decisions um with industry 4.0 it it changes that world so you can start adopting practices like scenario planning but it's still a very unpredictable world where where the industry definitions as we know today may change in future and and again, just your mindset and the context within which you look at the future um, is is really challenged. Mm. So so it's a it's a complete different different world. And again, what's what's the driver of it? Yes. Well, yeah. Th- what is
1: what is what's different? What's different from the dot com era, from the web 2.0 era? What's the fundamental difference now that makes it so much more unpredictable?
0: I think it's a combination of these technologies, you know, and a combination on different levels from, from your networking business, um, storage, what storage has has done to your computing environment, the computing environment itself, combining computing and storage into a cloud environment and how cloud can help you to hyperscale, um, you know, certain, certain applications. So it's a combination of a number of those innovations. So all of it has happened. Almost in isolation in the, in the past 30 years. Okay. And now, uh, due to the access also of that intellectual property and intellectual capital enabled by the internet, um, it has got a, a big impact on the business. Okay. Now, one of the things as, as well in terms of the difference is uh, between the previous one and, 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 and the industry yeah or industry 4.0 now is automation. So with, Internet of Things, um, it it creates intelligence in all your business processes. And therefore, you can do a lot more with your business processes and optimize a lot more around your business processes. Okay.
1: okay. So it's the coming together of all these technological advancements. Yes. And it creates this like perfect storm. Yeah. Which then becomes very unpredictable. Exactly. Exactly. Now now back to then to South Africa and Africa because – the reality is that, by and large, we are importers of IP in as far as you know the digital world is concerned. Um, wh- where does that leave you? I think the, the the first
0: thing is to understand and and to contextualise in your own environment that industry 4.0 will not necessarily create new jobs. In fact, if you look at a country like South Africa, we've got the second highest Gini coefficient in the world currently. Hmm. Which means the difference between those who have and those who haven't is the second largest in the world, and that's a very that's that's not a nice that's not a nice statistic to be part of, and it's something that I guess all of us all the leaders in the country, not only political leaders but all business leaders, must look at very critically and say, What are they doing to address that um because if we can't address that, then the country that we stay in and that we want, where we want to raise our kids, I don't believe will be sustainable. Yeah. So if you look at industry 4.0, one of the, one of the key, key um, attributes of that is automation. Automation is enabled, as I said earlier around providing intelligence into, into these processes. So it will lead to, uh, to taking out lower skilled people out of the workplace and be replaced by different kinds of robotics and devices. And when you do that, the whole industry 4.0 lends itself for higher educated people. Yes. In terms of, in terms of the, the long-term trend of where it will, will lead to. And that will naturally just um, accelerate the Gini coefficient trend. So we need to be very, very deliberate of how we then apply the benefits of industry 4.0 in a way that's sustainable within, within South Africa. You can't ignore, um, the new digital trends. You can't build a wall to keep it out. You can't, no. you, it's a, it's a global phenomenon. And therefore we need to just be cognizant about it, lean into it and be deliberate then on how we in South Africa can leverage the benefits and and then also mitigate the shadows that come from that.
1: But, but how do we do that when it's the speed and pace at which things are happening, whether it's something as simple as a new app that gets launched or new cloud services that, you know, that, uh, that get you know, taken to market from a global perspective? Because really we're not competing with ourselves and we're certainly not competing just within our continent. It's a, it's a global phenomenon. So how do we lean into a situation like that?
0: I can, I can tell you in T-Systems we've, um we've started adopting an approach that we call net positive, And I'll give you one specific example then of, of, or two examples around net positive. Net positive and, and shared values is really to say that, that consciously we as organizations in South Africa want to make sure that we don't just Reduce our impact on the economy or on the, on the environment as, as, as was the, you know, a, a trend a couple of years ago. We want to, to make sure that wherever we touch our customers with our customers, the, the environment and even the economy, that we make a net positive contribution back into society. Okay. Now that's, that's a very, um, Ambitious target to to set ourselves. Um, we need to find different ways on how we're going to track it. It's a emerging practice that comes um, out of the developed world. So um, we won't I won't claim that we've found the the way to do it. But if you then adopt a shared a shared value approach, a shared value approach is saying that that you are making money while you are doing good. Okay. Uh So, more and more, we are pulling our corporate social investment, our education, etc., into the normal value chain of T-Systems. Otherwise, it just doesn't become sustainable. It's um, like a charity. Or it becomes a, a handout yeah. or a charity, mm. and we're pulling it into into our value chain. By doing that, I believe we are starting to see the the impact of what net positive could be. In our environment, I, I believe every organisation um, and the country must must also adopt that kind of approach because it is not that simple. Yeah. Um, to give you an example, we started as a as a real corporate social investment initiative in in a rural area in Hazyview. We started to uh, to put down a learning centre there in, in collaboration with some other partners, and that has developed into a full ICT academy there in the middle of nowhere. But it also doesn't help that you create skilled people in the rural area without an opportunity for them to have jobs there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. They might be better off getting skills in whatever jobs are available there. Exactly. So,
0: so, um, what happened, most of them then came anyway to Gauteng, um, or to, you know, to the, one of the big, um, big cities. So what we started to do now is to create a, a service desk, um, in, in Hazy View, we've already moved the T systems, our T system service desk, um, to Hazyview View, um, as part of a, a pilot and it's now in full production. Okay. And we, we are now inviting other customers and like-minded organizations to also participate in that. So what is the value proposition of something like that? It's in the rural area. So it helps rural. Um, employment in that area. It helps with real skills development there. It's a 25 to 30% cheaper, um, environment. So to, it's good for business. So it's good for business. And I can tell you the people are so incredibly grateful to have a, you know, a, a dignified job in that area. So they are incredibly committed to, to be part of that. So now we don't look at that. Anymore as a corporate social investment, it's really part it's of our business, yeah. really part of our core business. So that's one one example. Another example um, is that just last week we've we've uh, we've launched um, our with Huawei, uh, our partner. We've launched um, Open Telecom Cloud, which is a uh, the first hyperscale cloud that will be hosted in South Africa. And a big part of that is also to ensure that not only data is going out the country, but, but that we, that we can, can ensure that the impact of cloud can also be net positive around the economy in South Africa. Again, industry 4.0 and cloud is synonymous. And one of the impacts of cloud in the IT industry is it takes away a lot of job classes, you know, um, in terms of, of server engineers and storage and database, et cetera, out of the country. So in essence, by just allowing these big hyperscale clouds to run in other, other areas, uh, other parts of the world, we were just allowing, you know, jobs to be exported out, out of the country. And it's not just the direct impact of, of the people that work for the, for, for those companies it's also you know the the knock on impact of of other people that must provide the cooling and the Absolutely. and the electricity etc around those data centers so by bringing it into the country we believe it will it will help again to to enable a net positive outcome and it will create a partner ecosystem that will allow you know again new skills and, and new jobs to be created within the country.
1: But then the question then would be, can we compete on that scale and on that level from a South Africa perspective? Because it's not something that we've been akin to doing. Yes, it's, um,
0: it's something that you must watch very carefully. You know, to, to spin up a, a cloud environment is not, it's not that difficult. Um, what we are doing is we're leveraging, uh, innovation again from Germany and from China. So Deutsche Telekom has got a has got a partnership with Huawei in in China, um, where they've created this open telecom cloud environment, which started off as an infrastructure as a service um, solution. Um, it it moved into platform as a service, and now it's got software as a service capabilities as well. So what we are doing in South Africa with Huawei and also Huawei South Africa is that we're bringing that development roadmap to South Africa. So it will be exactly the same version of OTC that's running in Germany will also run in South Africa. So it's not just a specific um, snapshot of what they have today. Um, We're buying into... In essence, we're leveraging and moving into the slipstream of that big development roadmap.
1: Global roadmap.
0: And that's what you need. Um, you know, there's, there's very few of these hyperscale clouds that have survived. There's big, big, um, technology players globally who's decided to stop the race. Absolutely. And, um, and therefore we, we also from a South African perspective don't, don't create our own. We're leveraging that uh, from from Germany and China and bringing it to South Africa, and um, and therefore I do believe we will continuously be be competitive for as long as for as long as Germany and China is putting in development capital into that, you know, against the the big US hyperscale clouds, um, we will benefit from it.
1: Now, for a tricky question, do you do you see South Africa becoming self sufficient from you know in terms of embracing this? digital world industry four point zero. I mean there's the one element aspect as a multinational, you leverage your global um partners. But there's also the other side of saying, you know, when do we start creating innovation from within South Africa and take it to them? You know, Pumi, there's um there's already some real good
0: examples in South Africa and in Africa, um, around areas such as health and around financial systems where where innovation, from a technology perspective, in those industries, has been has been leading innovations from a global perspective, and I believe we must just continue to to stimulate and 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 to uh, to create environments for those people to take up to take up their their skills and do it. I think programs like like this Disrupt is also helping. You know, potential entrepreneurs and technology people to believe in themselves, so that they can continue to do that. Mm. Um, I don't think it's it's really about self sufficiency. It's it's really about making sure that we are not completely uh, just exposed to almost handouts again. You know, from from a developed world. Um, so, so for me, leaning into it and again deliberately making sure that we, as a country, uh, don't get exploited uh but that we can also co invest into that and that we can get the right kind of benefits out of that for me that is that is important and I think o t c for me is a good example on that, as I mentioned earlier um it will create a a platform it you know for developers and and maybe startups to to come up with you know with with solutions that they can then run from o t c yes. it's an open stack environment, so it will be uh, very cost-effective um, since it's open stack, and I believe it's it creates a you know again an opportunity for for Africa you know starting with South Africa. We've got a lot of innovative people here. I'm very yes. proud of our diversity of skills and different kinds of people, and um, and therefore I believe we are very well positioned you know for for Industry 4.0 and and not only leading Africa into that but also playing a a, a significant, a significant role, you know, into, into the rest of the world.
1: Mm. And, and you see that, um, this type of approach that, that T-Systems is taking, is this something that other multinationals will start to gravitate towards? Or do you maybe perhaps hope for that to happen more? Yeah, look, um,
0: one of the attributes again of, of Industry 4.0 is, is a, that partnering is really important. Yes. Our partnering uh, on this one with with our German counterparts and and with and with China and with Huawei and that is is a it's just one example. But when if you if you look at the different layers of partnering that we're going into this around application the application environment, you know, for example, SAP um, is a very strong partner of us, um, not only in Germany but also in South Africa. Um, so they are a core core partner in this. They're a multinational as well. Um, the multinational providers in South Africa, the technology providers that we partner with, uh, SAP, Microsoft, et cetera, Huawei is is really committed also to the country, but it is it is taking hands with the uh, with those multinational partners, but then also enabling localization. You know, um, localization of local skills, local. Local uh, companies okay. and 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 making sure that we address again the country needs of upliftment and uh y- y- creating new capabilities while we are doing our our normal business and it's possible i mean it's possible we've done it like i said for for the past twenty years we're getting better at it um, currently we've we've got a level two rating. Uh, in terms of the new codes, um, from BE rating. And I believe one of the key reasons that we have a rating like that is because we integrate these initiatives so closely into our overall value chain. Okay. So even though we're not a technology provider, we are a service provider. It tends to put even more, more challenges to you when it comes to finding the right rating. Um, but we are doing it And therefore, I believe we're doing it in a responsible way That's very much aligned to the economic, socioeconomic realities of the country
1: Okay So Had, I'm going to shift a little bit now um, And talk about your partnership with Wade Van Ikerk Who's uh, obviously well known to all of us um, um, in South Africa um, And globally for that matter I mean, he's a well-known figure um, It's quite unusual for an IT company to be uh, you know partnering with an athlete um what is the thinking around that and and yeah, this is before the olympics you know on certain times around athletes etc um what is the thinking around that from your perspective yeah um for
0: me um i'm very proud of the association with wade and as you said we we started our our relationship with him you know before he became so famous And that makes it even more special, um, where we sit today. The, the original intent was to really find a public figure who's had the same value system compared to T-Systems. Again, from a T-Systems perspective, a lot of our technology and that is not visible. You know, I mean, I've grown up on a farm there. You can smell and you can touch and you can see a lot of the stuff that you do. In, uh, in the technology world, um, specifically when you're outsourcing a lot of, a lot of your life is reflected in spreadsheets and PowerPoints. Yeah. And, um, and we were looking for, as I said, a public figure with the same value system and, and it took a lot of, a lot of engagement with, with a number of people to find Someone like Wade, because there's always a risk when you associate with yourself with an individual as opposed to a team. And, uh, and therefore the whole ecosystem also around, around Wade was very, was very important, um, during, during that period. And, uh, for us, Wade is a, is a South African, you know, he's very much a South African. Absolutely, yeah. You know him very well. He's a very humble South African and, uh, but he competes. In, in the, you know, globally and he doesn't only just compete globally, he wins uh, globally. Handsomely.
1: Uh,
0: yeah. And that's, it, it's, obviously something that we are all very proud of, you know, for him and, and with him. And, uh, we believe from a theism to Africa perspective, we've got, we've got a similar value system to say we are privileged and, and humbled, you know, because we've got the, linked to the practices and and technologies and innovation in Germany. But we've got also our own unique diversity and passion in of of you know in South Africa and we can combine that. So we are we South African. Yes. Uh ninety nine point nine nine percent of the people working in T System South Africa is South Africans. And uh but we compete globally and, and we we're delivering globally. We've got a number of global customers that we support from South Africa and it's big brands like Heineken um, and corner the the lift company that we support from south Africa so so
1: bringing the jobs back into South Africa yeah
0: bringing the jobs back into South Africa and it's again for me part of this net positive topic you know to say as we optimize when we bring i t services to a customer as we optimize there's always there's always the risk of 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 uh, taking jobs out because you need to optimize, but then bringing in uh, work from from other parts of the world back into South Africa is a way in which we can uh, keep the net positive theme going uh, to make sure that we are sustainable so wait for nicap that was where we started it, and then there's a lot of other similarities i mean he's he uh, you know point one of a second makes a big difference for him, yes. and the same for us around our quality of service. You know, 99.8 versus 99.9 um, service level achievement make a big difference in our lives. Yes, and and um, it's that attention to detail and the way that we apply ourselves in in what we do and being proud of what we do, um, why it is 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 giving us that value system. Not only for us internally as these systems employees, but also our partners and our customers. You know that that we are that we are working with.
1: Yeah, and Kurt, I mean, you know, staying on the the performance um, conversation around Wade, uh, you yourself, I mean, you've summited Mount Kilimanjaro, and uh, a lot of people don't know you did it with one leg. You've got a prosthetic, and I mean, I've heard you tell the story um, around that, but. You know, that, that is quite a disruptive thing to do. Why would you decide to do that? And how does that frame into yourself as someone who's been in this industry for 20 plus years? Yeah, you know, it's, um, uh, climbing Kilimanjaro was not a bucket
0: list topic for me. It was also, it was one of those things that, that happened to me. Uh, again, from a, from a pure spiritual perspective, you know, I don't believe in any, Co- coincidences, so that wasn 't a co- coincidence as well i had to I had to um, introduce two people to one another, and I n- knew them both, but obviously they didn 't know each other and the one was a guide uh, she takes she took people up Kilimanjaro, so when I introduced them, they said, Well why don 't we make up a group to go and climb kilimanjaro i said that 's fine you know let 's go and do that that 's really as as simple as it as it as it started um it was it was a real significant event in my life and i if i talk to other people you know everyone who climbed kilimanjaro um got something really a life number of life lessons out of it um and therefore i don't think i'm i'm unique in that Mm. um i learned a a number of you know I, i believe life and and leadership lessons out of it the probably the the one that i remember most is is the concept of pole pole you know uh which means you know slowly slowly, slowly, slowly yeah. um i mean I, I prepared quite well for kilimanjaro physically and then when we started the guide put me directly behind him because i was the weakest obviously of the group and uh he started walking at such a slow pace that i I just couldn 't believe it. you know I was ready i you know, I wanted to climb this mountain yeah and uh and he just he just forced me into a into a slow slower rhythm and um and I learned a lot from that, you know to follow a leader to trust in the leader, and the leader knew what pace we needed to go to get to the next camp in time and every day just before sunset, we reached the the next camp. There were a lot of people who came past us and most of them normally ended up, you know, uh, before they reached the next camp, if, if you climb too quickly, you know, you, you, um, you start to vomit, et mm. So, so poorly, poorly in, in achieving your goals is, is really, really important, you know, to take, to take, um, um, to make sure that every step counts, but to, but, uh, but not to try and rush things to to reach your goals.
1: Fantastic. Khed, I mean, we could talk for hours, you and I, and we've done that in the past. Before we wrap up, I'm going to read a quote, um, something that you were quoted on in the news, and you said, data is the new currency. One of the key enablers of digitization is the cloud, and it's no good running away from it. We must lean into it as Africans. We must make it work for us. And you've kind of alluded to that as well in the conversation. So with that as a backdrop, your, your vision for, for Africa in in this digitally transforming world and industry 4.0 in a nutshell. Yes. I believe, I believe we've got a
0: lot, lot of, lot of strengths that we can take into this new industry. We, we've got good education. We've got a diverse set of skills. We're very passionate people. Um and therefore if we lean into it as I as as I said earlier, um, I believe we can get the most out of it. And there's a lot of examples already within within South Africa and different industries that we you know, where we can do it if we partner with other people and partner with like minded people. Um if we go into it with an open agenda and not try to again shy away from it or put policies against it, uh, but to really embrace it i I believe it's very exciting um you know for every one of us individually to refresh ourselves yeah uh, you know in terms of of new future- future and and also also for the rest of the country, so I think it's really
1: possible and then very quickly, your definition of disruption what does it mean to be disruptive? I believe it is um
0: being bold in in executing what you believe in. Um, and and not uh, not just stay with the status quo. Um, surrounding yourself with people that you trust uh, without letting them to keep you in your box, uh, but really testing your ideas and being open-minded, and then once you've got a position to to have the courage to execute on it.
1: Fantastic. Thank you very much, to Gombi, the MD of T-Systems South Africa. It's been another... Really, really engaging conversation on Disrupt with Mpumintlapo. Thank you to T-Systems um, as our sponsors on the show. We look forward to seeing you again next week um, with another guest. Um, really thank you for joining us and have a wonderful day. Thank you,
0: com